What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. Hi guys, welcome into the latest OBR Film Breakdown podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make sure you're taking advantage of that OBR promo code to get $100 in free gambling when the you know two weeks away from Ohio launching this sports gambling. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Proud to be here. Happy to be here. Happy to be joined by a great guest today, which we'll talk to in just a minute. Uh, stuff going on at the OBR. We had the OBR Weekly and Chalk Talk last night, um, over the last two nights, I should say. So go back and check those out if you want to see some film and you want to hear Fred Greetham talk about his insights from being on site. Take advantage of that opportunity. Um, and then also uh, website content. We've had some great stuff going on, expire or extend um, in, in, in a broad variety, looking at a bunch of different people from Jack Duffin, including Ethan Posich and several other players on the roster. Uh, he's also looking, Jack's doing a great job looking ahead at, at all the position rooms and what, what, you know, what lies ahead from contracts, roster spots, everything that's available for you. So check that out. Um, and then we also broke down two plays earlier this week, specifically the Denzel Ward interception, what cover seven means, Stubby and Cone and all those checks. And then we also broke down the improvisation potentially from Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, is available at the OBR too. We're going to be joined by a great guest. Okay, Coach Lance Reisland, he does a great job at Cleveland.com, breaking down film. We have some banter back and forth. I've been meaning to get him on because I want to pick his brain about certain aspects of coaching I'm not sure everybody's familiar with uh, in terms of management, preparation, execution. Um, he's been a head coach several years, done a great job. I'm going to talk with him about where he was and give you guys the insight on that. But I think he's going to give perspective on some things I've talked about, but I don't get a chance to talk to coaches, former coaches all too often. So I think we can learn a lot from, from decisions coming where the head coach, it's all of that stuff. I think it's important to, to, to sort of digest some of this stuff. So Lance, what's up? How are you? Welcome in, man. Hey Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I've, I've been meaning to have this chat with you for a little bit. So, so tell everybody real quick before we get going, your coaching background, where you've been, what you've done and like how this will all work with what we're talking about here. Uh, well, I was at Garfield Heights for 22 years, uh, 18 of those years. I was uh, my dad's offense coordinator. Uh, last four years, I was the offense coordinator and the head coach. Uh, formerly played at Kent in the early 90s. Uh, just a football guy. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the, uh, the aspects of how football works um, and just kind of like how, you know, how teams are attacking and how teams are doing things. And just basically a football guy. Enjoy watching film and seeing how people do things and, and learning from other people such as you and other people and on how uh, they see things. Yeah, that's what I'm looking to get from you, right? You know, broad variety of playing and coaching experience. And what I think people can learn from is the process. You know, you mentioned right away that you were, 
head, you know, OC, then head coach and OC combined. And I think people can probably deduce where I'm going with this. But what I want to start on is is really the the aspect of what a lot of people talk about with Kevin, right? You know, he is getting a lot of blame. The offense has been fine large portions of this year. They've been worse of late, but sort of to be expected in some regard because of uh, you know quarterback change, different things moving, some run game stuff has struggled. But what people often will talk about with Kevin is he is responsible for the whole team, to which I'm sure, Lance, you agree with the same way I do. He is ultimately a reflection of the whole team. So they want him to be um, potentially do two things, give up play calling and secondly, being more involved with the defense. What I want you to do is walk me through first and then we'll dive into why, but walk me through as an OC head coach, how you go about preparation for the week and how involved you are with the defense. Because I, I think people have this idea, Lance, that as the head coach, and if you're the offensive play call, you don't have any involvement in the defense at all, and that's not true. So it's a, it's not it's not deep dive stuff, but you're involved. You're looking at game plan, and like when I was doing this, our DC would bring a game plan to the head coach. They'd sit down and watch, talk, get get through it, and then they would talk about whether that was the right way to go about for the week. And I, I'm curious if your experience you know, lengthy experience doing it is similar or different than that? Uh, well, you know, it's a pretty good breakdown of what you're saying. And at all levels, if you're going to call plays uh, as the head coach in OC, you are not the CEO of the whole program. And people don't like to hear that. It all comes back on you, but you have to have good people. Especially for me, I had to have a good defense coordinator, which I did when I was at Garfield Heights. So you're actually the CEO of the offense. You need a CEO of the defense. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be involved. So when you look at, at the high school level, uh, Friday is the game, so for us, the week starts on Saturday. You get in, you break the, the uh, film down for the night before, uh, the D.C. will check in. They're on their own plan, but he'll check in with me and say, this guy did this. Uh, we'll talk personnel. We'll talk depth chart. We'll talk about things we need to fix, things we need to get better. As we get into Sunday and Monday, you start talking about what you do uh, in your program. So every program from uh, high school to college has what they do well. Um, so we're going to talk about how we're going to do that. We're going to set up our practice plan for the week, our scouting reports, et cetera. Then you get into your work days. And the work days, again, uh, my DC would always check in with me and say, this is what this team does. This is our attack. This is the percentage that they do things. Um, and that takes you through the work days, which, you know, for everybody has between two and three, uh, no more than four work days a week. For us, it was always two heavy work days on, on a, a Tuesday or Wednesday. Then you're going through your walkthrough. And again, your defense, that's a great time. That was a great time for me to check in with my DC to make sure uh, they had what they were going to do uh, against down a distance, against uh, personnel, against two by one, against three by one, uh, red zone coming out. What were some of the blitz schemes? What were some of the four over three, three over two? Just basically, what did the other team do? Um, and you have to have trust in that DC because you're not doing a deep dive because your deep dive is coming in on your side of the ball. So I was always involved. Um, but I had a lot of faith in that guy um, because you have to have a lot of faith in that guy. And you also have to a lot of, have a lot of faith in your other staff members in terms of the daily uh, or the game day management, you know, timeouts, uh, down and distance, uh, personnel issues, who's injured, who's not, uh, what is the other team doing? Why are they doing it? So uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And when you're calling plays, you've, you've brought your whole staff even in more, then you like the CEO guy, he's involved in all that stuff. But when I'm calling plays, uh, I have to have faith in all those guys. So it was, uh, it was, it was enjoyable. 
Um, but the key is to have really good guys that you trust um, and you can trust to put in the work. Well, the question I think is interesting here as you look at it is, you know, did you ever have experience as just the CEO head coach type or did you always call plays? You know, it's funny you say that. I've, I've seen it work both ways. I've always called plays. The thing that bothers me uh, at all levels, and it would with uh, Kevin as well, is that guys get put in position for things they do well. And so many times we see head coaches get put in that position uh, and then they don't do what they did that got them that job. So for me, <clears throat> I always felt that I was hired as a head coach because I had some success with great players and great coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I never wanted to give that up because – I feel that some of the other aspects, maybe I'm not as strong. I wasn't as strong uh, as some. So I didn't want to give up what I was good at and then, you know, just be in charge of things that I'm okay at. So that's, you know, Kevin's there. To, he got that job um, primarily as a play caller and he does other things well. And, and don't get me wrong, but his his MO, his, his calling card is his play caller. So I actually like the fact that he's calling plays. I've seen it work just as a CEO as well. Uh, yeah. Guys do that very well too. So I don't think there's a... I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer or a right way to do it. I just think that you have to accept who you are. And if you are a play caller, then you're bringing a lot of other uh, of your coaches uh, involved are going to be involved with your uh, decision making, especially on game day. Well, I would say is this is, you know, when Kevin's calling offense, structuring offense, he's obviously working with multiple people. It's not like he's doing this stuff alone. They're, they're mm -hmm. all game planning, QB coach, Van Pelt, all of them. But would you say the executive head coaching type, does that allow you to have maybe two average coordinators so you can help? Or do you like I, what I'm getting at is if you're the play caller, OC head coach or DC could be vice versa, right? You know, mm -hmm. there's some of those around the league, like you need a really good coordinator. And I think that's important to know when you're looking at woods or whatever, like you need a really good CEO type DC, right? Where that person is, the lead voice, the lead focal point of the defense is handling all of the important aspects of it. I guess to, to my to my bigger point is you can't have a non-leader type DC if you're going to be the head coach, play caller, OC. Am I right in that thought process? Because you need somebody that is really the face of your defense, the spoken voice, the the schematic designer. Whereas if you have a, a, a head coach who's removed from it, think like uh, John Harbaugh, right? you can do a little bit more integrating yourself into both sides. I'm not saying one side of that analysis here of whether you should be a, a CEO or a, a focal point of a side is right or wrong, but I do think it's, it's something that I don't think people understand all too well, at least in my opinion, is that you need a guy who is going to be your defensive coordinator who's almost a mini head coach in and of himself, right? Because they're the dominant voice on that side of the ball. Obviously, Kevin's going to sign off on all of this stuff. Kevin's or uh, Joe's going to bring and present to him every part of the defensive game plan. If there's something he doesn't like, he can always say no. Right. But I do think it's important to understand that like they need a true leadership executive type on that side too. I think that's pretty fair. And I'm thinking you would, you would probably agree from your hiring days and who you work with as a DC that you need, you need somebody over there that matters. Right. Well, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's a great point, but I don't even think it's a mini head coach. I think, Obviously, Kevin, everything rolls downhill to him, but I think it's a head coach. Uh, it's a head coach of the defense. So I always consider myself uh, the offensive head coach and my DC as the defensive head coach. I never really thought of it as a 
Um, and I didn't really, I wanted him to check in with me, but I wanted him to check in with me in terms of organization. I wanted him to check in with me in terms of uh, down and distance, and this is what we're going to do. I really didn't want to check in him with, with him schematically and how he's going to do things because I wanted him to have full reign and confidence in what he does. So sometimes as a CEO, um, the guy who are the executive, the John Harbaugh's, they're going to have full faith in what those guys do because as a defensive coordinator, as an offensive coordinator, we're all good at what we do. And we, we understand football, but you, you have a short time to call plays and set up practice plans and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to do what you do philosophy-wise and schematically. So I never, I never thought of saying, hey, listen, I think we should, you know, I like this odd front, you know, let's go a tight front. Let's, you know, let's cover the, make sure that guards cover. I never did that with my DC. I wanted to make sure that he had that set up and what his plan was. But yeah, you got to have a guy who is feels like a head coach, acts like a head coach, um, uh, delegates responsibilities to his coaches. Um, I I didn't want to be involved. I wanted to know he was doing that, but I didn't want to be involved in that. I wanted him to feel like he was in charge, which is going to get him give him greater confidence in, in you know in game day, which is you know on game day, which is the most important thing uh, is you know winning the game. So uh, yeah, I don't think. I don't think it's a mini head coach. I think it's a head coach and he's got to be yeah. strong and he's got to be vocal um, and he's got to be in charge. And that's how I, that's how I always looked at it. Yeah. I like the angle of empowerment, right? You nobody really likes to be micromanaged. I don't think that that is, I love what you're saying there because I, I think that's an element that people, you know, that they, that they really miss is that uh, if you're, if you're bringing ideas, concepts, thoughts to the position as a, you know, as a, as a play caller on that side of the ball, you don't want to have every single piece of whatever you do being questioned. That's never a, that's never a healthy environment, right? So you got to harbor that, you know, sort of collaborative environment. If that's the way you're going to go, I don't get the vibe and maybe you correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't get the vibe. Kevin does that. I, I really don't get the micromanagement vibe. I think he lets Joe do what he thinks is fit. Now there's an analysis of whether Joe's getting the job done or not. That is, that is going to come, right. It's a matter of time. It's mm-hmm. just how the business works, but I don't get the vibe. Kevin does that. I think he understands leadership styles, personality types and all that. And I think that kind of bridges to my next question for you, which is sort of these guys who are a bit more, I guess what I'm looking for is your opinion. You've coached, you you've coached in important games, right? And it's not the NFL, but it's still important in every stage has their important games and moments and all that stuff. So you know, you've seen how Kevin's demeanor is. Do you, do you respect that type of demeanor? Because Kevin is not a yeller. He's not a screamer. He can get fired up when he needs to, right? We've seen his post-game stuff, and we, we are really, people think he doesn't yell. We're blinded from a lot of the bigger moments. But, um, you know, he's certainly a guy who's always thinking forward. You know, I keep going back to that that Jets game so often because they, they played the mic'd up piece where he was just talking nonstop, like looking next play, next play, next play, even as things were unfolding, you know, uh, they give up the long touchdown, right? The the double move to Corey Davis to to make it a one score game, and he's upset. You can see he's upset. He's visibly upset, but he's talking about you know return, you know hands team and all this stuff. I just think Kevin is very he's very level headed. And do you think because you know you've seen the stuff, Lance? I'm sure that everyone else does the the jokes about the Denny's menu, and he's always buried it. Like what what type of uh, personality did you go about it with? And then do you think Kevin's is fit for the NFL level where people seem to think that you just have to yell at these guys nonstop? Well, I, I first of all, I've always loved his composure. I love his uh, demeanor. I love how he uh, takes all the shortcomings from a game and puts it on him, whether it's him or not. I, I appreciate that. Um, screaming and yelling is not coaching to me. Um, I think what fans want to see sometimes, they want to see some emotion, which 
Uh, it's not his personality. And the, whether you want it or not, I never want a coach to go outside his personality. Again, it's like uh, a wing T guy going to air raid. I don't, I want people to stay with what they do. And yep. if that's his style, that's who he is. Then that's what I like. So doesn't make it wrong or right, but I love, I love his composure. Uh, I've also been down at a bunch of practices. I love their organization. I love their preparation. There is a plan. Now, whether you like the plan or not, that's up for, you know, that's subjective. However, there is a plan. Uh, and it's kind of like my Joe Woods thing, you know, and not everybody likes his plan, but I feel there is a plan. Um, when they go in, sometimes it's not executed perfectly, et cetera, but I love Kevin's composure. I love his, um, I too would like him to show, um, that he's mad a little bit more. Um, but that would be more as a fan, but not, not as a football coach, as a, as a head football coach, as the guy who's in charge, everybody else around you is allowed to jump off the boat and be crazy and, and lose their mind. You have to steer the boat. And I think Kevin does that through the ups and downs. Um, you know, he took the the Deshaun Watson and he he laid that on himself for months and months and months. And I thought that was pretty commendable by him. But as a head coach, I think it's important that you're composed. I think it's in, uh, no matter how you feel, uh, your outside surface, you're in charge. It's your program. It's your system. And you're going to stick with it. And when things go wrong, you own it. Some of that stuff he has nothing to do with, really, especially as the offensive play caller. He has nothing to do with um, Cade York missing kicks. He has nothing to do with being a nickel in a goal line, whatever it may be. He sh- Now, he should know about that. However, he's letting his people do his things. But I love his composure. I don't think, for me, screaming and yelling is never coaching. Those are The fans can scream and yell. People can be upset. But as a head coach, you always have to be in control. Got it. I love it. I mean, I agree. I just like to get perspectives on it. I mean, I think I understand where some people are coming from with a desire to see more emotion. Doesn't mean screaming, but mm-hmm. getting more fired up. But that's just his way of displaying that stuff is a little different than I think people are accustomed to. And I think that drives people unnecessarily mad at times. We're going to listen. We're going to take a break. Uh, I want to talk about Joe Woods a little bit more with you uh, coming from your aspect of what you think of his performance this year. And then I, I want to kind of close with special teams and um, what people I don't think truly understand about it. We'll be right back. Hey guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when, when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus. Right, get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. you got to be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so I just want your analysis of Joe Woods. You've written up a lot of film rooms, which again, folks, if you haven't, go to cleveland.com, check out Lance's film room work. It's really great stuff. He does it weekly, um, pretty similar to myself. So, you know, like I said, add that to your weekly reading if you haven't already done so, which I would imagine you have, but I uh, just want to remind you, uh, like you've, you've analyzed it, you've seen it, you've heard Joe's press conferences, you've seen him live on the field. Do they, I'm just going to point blank ask you, do they need to make a change there three years into his performance or do you think he deserves another year? Well, I think, you know, change doesn't always mean um, that the guy who, especially in football, doesn't always mean the guy is doing a terrible job. I don't think Joe Woods is doing a terrible job. However, uh, there is some communication issues that they've had, uh, whether it's his style of coaching. So sometimes a change of scenery is both for both parts. Um, and unfortunately, you can, it seems like the writing's on the wall there. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not an anti-Joe Woods guy. You know, seeing him at camp and seeing his, the way they operate and the way they do things, again, highly organized. Now, the thing is with, we go back to what we said before about Kevin being in control. Well, they need somebody to be kind of, I guess, would be kind of emotional and kind of the the ringleader. And that if Kevin's the OC, then the DC or a member of that defense has to be the emotional guy. Uh, the guy who is excited about being at practice, the guy who's excited about being in the weight room, the guy who's excited about showing up every day early in the morning. I'm not sure if that's the, the I think the temperament more than the schematics and the philosophy uh, would be hit my my issues with Joe uh, with Woods more than his schemes. You know, for me, when you watch them through the middle of their, you know, I'm a middle guy. So when you watch their DTs, their backers, and their safeties, there's some fundamental personnel issues with the Browns um, mm-hmm. more than there is schemes. So uh, that would be my issue. So you know, I you, the writing seems to be on the wall, but I think it's more of just a change of scenery might be good for both parties. Well, if you okay, so in a hypothetical sense, if they do move on from him, are you more interested in a um, young, up and coming, energetic type, or somebody like, uh, say, a Vic Fangio, Jim Schwartz, uh, those types of guys, like Dan Quinn's doing this in 
Dallas, these former head coach types who are maybe trying to figure out another job or just getting back to what they do really well, right? I, I think there's an interesting element to, you know, my stance on it has been, I think Kevin could really benefit from a guy who has also been a head coach talking to him about, hey, we had this experience in 2014 or whatever. This is what we did. This is my advice. Like, I think that person would be good for him. I also could see the angle where you want to go with a young energetic type because that's the thing that they probably could benefit from as somebody who brings a bunch of enthusiasm. Not that Kevin doesn't bring enthusiasm, but someone whose outwardly personality is 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 built on that stuff. And I think I think you would agree with me that, that kind of that chaotic, crazy personality is more fit for defense than it is for offense where you have to be calm and, you know, sort of more calculated. Right. But uh, I'm just curious if you are interested in those those former head coach types. Or if they, if you think they should be looking for someone who's a young secondary coach or something of that ilk who can, who can come in and kind of uh, formulate his own uh, system and and be a potential you know head coaching candidate of his own down the line because those guys are eager, right? That's the risk reward mm-hmm. stuff. Is those young guys who are getting their first chance to call defense or, you know, they're very zealous. They're very eager to get out there and prove themselves. And if you get a former head coach type, you can sometimes be worried about complacency and stuff of that nature. So what 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 you know as you start to work through perhaps they're going to make this change. Have you thought about a type you would prefer with Kevin? Well, I think the the experienced guy is going to be more beneficial at this point just because of the idea that he's the play caller. So if you got another guy in there uh, who can help with game management, practice management, you know, for me, games are won during the week. So you're talking about practice plans and red zone and coming out and all that kind of stuff. Um, and with all the responsibility head coach, that would be helpful. So if you got a DC who – understands the weekly management of how to get things in, how to get things organized, how to um, really, really have some success with certain practice plans on how they rest people and how people, you know, when they go live, when they don't go live. So that would be beneficial. But there's something to be said about the emotion. So they would have to find the emotion. That could be a D-line guy. That could be a secondary guy. That could be somebody else. That could be a linebacker. You know, you, I'm watching the Saints and I did love Davis playing. I think he plays with great energy. So maybe just a, a personnel issue where you get a personnel guy who can um, get that emotion. But I think Kevin, with being the CEO and being a play caller to his ability, I think it would be benefit if they would get a guy with some experience that can help him with the game management and the practice management and the the scripts and the, how to break down film and all that kind of stuff. Where he's not, you know, he's not teaching a, a young guy who has great energy. Hey, listen, this is what we do on Tuesday. This is what we do on Wednesday. You bring an experienced guy; he knows how to do that already. He's going to have his own ideas. For where the Browns are right now, I think that would be more beneficial. Yeah, I lean that way too. There's certainly a, a couple names I mentioned there that that have that have caught my eye as far as a fit. So we'll see if they go that route. I think that's a better route for them um, in, in terms of linking up. Kevin was somebody who can who can be a, a sort of not a, not a, not a mentor per se because I don't know that he needs that but just someone who's got the ability to like I said put the arm around him and say hey man I've been there this is what we did this is what you could do here's my suggestion and I think having someone like that and I've talked about this too Lance about they're three years in in the same offense and the same defense and and really largely an unaltered staff and like I think there's a need for different especially you know I I don't know how you thought about this as a head coach and you're also calling plays, but I think they could use some fresh perspectives on offense as they, as they start to move this thing into the Deshaun Watson era here more thoroughly, I guess, to put it that way. 
Uh, you know, I think they could they could benefit from looking around the league and looking at how elite quarterbacks are getting easy yards. I think they could look at ways to bust out and go away from some of the wide zone stuff that the NFL has really started to, to put a, a grasp on. And I'm just curious if they're going to get in some fresh perspectives this year uh, offensively, because I think they could use them. I don't know how you feel about that. I just think they need to expand their thought process around how they run their offense. Well, yeah, fresh ideas are, are, are so important. The idea of what's what's new and what's how, what's working and how is it working. Uh, I think the word, the, the, the term that you like is easy yards. Uh, sometimes when you watch the Browns, they don't quite get the easy yards that, you know, I think every yard is a pain. I'm sure. Yeah. It's it's really a struggle. And then you watch other teams and they're able to pick stuff up uh, easily. So what are they doing? How are they doing it? Um, A lot of times it's, you know, are there multiple calls? Are there, you know, is it RPOs? Is it, how are they doing? Is it, is it design runs? It's, uh, you know, I've seen the uh, Browns run some bash now. So staying with your schemes, but adding things to it, you know, bash, I think is a great uh, um, concept for the Browns with Watson. It gives them, run their base, you know, guard, tackle, counter, but then adding something mm-hmm. to it. So how do you get extra thing? And sometimes you need a voice to, um, and, and then Kevin and the staff have to be willing to accept those things and accept um, the new ideas and what's coming. But I always felt it was important, you know, as a high school guy, it would be clinics and you go to clinics and you listen to people. It, even, even now I, uh, I enjoy talking with people who understand schemes and concepts because there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to do things right. And sometimes you just need to listen to other people because sometimes it's easier and it's easier for your personnel or it's easy for your uh, style of play. So I think it would be benefit. It would benefit their staff just to get some new guys in general, some new blood in there, some new ideas, some new ways to take on doubles, the new, some new ways to how you're going to tax, you know, cover one and six and seven, all this stuff. I just think it's, I think it helps just to get some fresh ideas. Yeah, three years into it, I think you could you could do that, and I think that not to say they haven't. I haven't really dug into to to the total changes they've made and some of their uh, you know uh, senior assistant level things like that. But I haven't seen much turnover, and I think as the league has been more exposed, more exposed, more exposed to the Shanahan style offense, there is there is a, a defenses have figured it out and they've played it well. So what are you doing to counterbalance that? It's obviously why they wanted to go after Watson to create some answers that. Right, the the players over plays aspect. Yep. I'm sure you would agree with me. You know, absolutely. I'm a big believer in plays. that. Yeah, guys who can make plays over right, uh, writing it up on a whiteboard. But um, yeah, I, I just I think that's beneficial. Good to hear you kind of agree with that. Um, I will say last thing I want to hit on is specials. Like I think every <laughs> Preef Preef gets the blame for a lot of things, and I, and I'm not here to say he doesn't deserve. Right, you know, Mike Preef doesn't deserve blame for things he he does um but i what i like trying to give people and parse out what things are you know to blame what what are what are things that are his fault and what are things that are not so you know i think people try to blame him for the kicking stuff now we're not there and i didn't love the quote yesterday kind of going after kate who i think is very fragile confidence right now uh, a little bit and i i get it you got to be honest about it and it's it's like Hey man, he's got to make the kicks. I I understand that too, but we gotta we gotta always kind of walk that fine line with kickers because they need him to make them. They need him to have confidence that they believe he can make them. But people blame him for missed kicks, and I think it's it's important. Like I want you to break down for me, you know, lower levels, high school, some small colleges. Basically, what happens is you have position coaches take certain special teams units, right? You have them take you know the wide receiver coach takes the punt team the linebackers coach has the the uh kickoff team the 
tight ends coach has KOR, right? You have these guys in charge, and then when you break out into sessions during practice, you know, those coaches anchor it, teach it, coach, and they come up with a design. You know, back when I was coaching, this is what I did. Hey, you know, coach, I got this. uh, Either I got it from a clinic or I've studied it or I've heard it somewhere or I've seen it. This is how we're going to do kickoff. Normally the head coach will be, yeah, I agree with that or we don't, and we kind of formulate a plan. But in the NFL, it's a bit different. Obviously, you have in a higher higher college levels too. You have special teams coaches specifically. Like I want you to go through what he's doing and what the line of 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 uh, acceptance is for things that he could be doing differently, right? Because I think people are blaming him. And and again, I I'm not going to sit here and argue for Prefer to keep his job. I also don't think it's a big deal one way or the other, as long as you have a special teams coach you think is competent. And I think Prefer's been around the NFL sort of long enough to to be competent. I, I just don't – I guess what I'm getting at is I think people assign a bunch of blame, and I don't think they even know what special teams coaches are really doing, put it that way. Well, yeah, you know, for me, a special teams coach comes down to, especially at the NFL, at a high level, even high-level high school, you want to at least be a wash at all times. So people say special teams, but a lot of times it's not special, it's extra. So when I look back, especially my last year, we won a playoff game, and I talked about I, I wasn't sure if we could match up up front either side. Uh, they, the team we played was really, really good. Warren Harding was really good. So we wanted to win special teams. So at the NFL level, at a high level, you want to make sure it's at least a wash. So it's equal. It doesn't play into the game. Um what I would, how I always judge, even when, it, so as a head coach, we did, like you said, we, everybody had their team. Uh, one of my, my defensive line coach at the time, he was in charge of the game day, calling when punt was ready, things like that. But um, <clears throat> what I would judge a, a special teams coach on is his organization, his preparation. Are the teams out there on time? Do they, um, does he ha- all have 11 out? Do, are they getting a hat on a hat on kickoff return? Do they know? So sometimes they get beat on a kickoff return or a punt return or things like that. But do they? Are they blocking the right guy? Uh, if the guy gets beat, that's not really on you. That's a personnel issue. So making sure all the operation is right. We are blocking the right people, or at least we have a hat for that person. You know, if you get beat around the, if my, you know, Miles Garrett beats you, he beats you. But do we have? Are we chipping him? Or you know, is another? T- so it's. It's the idea of, are we doing things right? Are we lined up right? Do we know where we're supposed to be? Can we run out a kick if we need an emergency kick at the end of a game? Uh, yeah. But the, the the dynamics of a kick or a punt or things of that nature, that's not really on him. That's, that's on the kicker. Uh, unfortunately, like everything else, everything rolls downhill, so it kind of comes on him. Um, and those guys in the NFL get paid really good money to make sure those things happen. Uh, but I would say, you know, I would say they should sit down. And I think there are some ways that you can improve your special teams in terms of getting Cade York's uh, confidence up and making sure these creating some game situations that I would think help um, not make it extra, but again, make it special. So uh, once again, for me, it was always, hey, if we get beat, we get beat. Do we are we blocking the right people? Are we um, do we step down on extra point? Do we do the things we're supposed to do? Are we practicing the right way? If we're practicing the right way and somebody messes up, that wasn't me. That wasn't on the special teams corner. If we don't have a guy out there, uh, if we miss a guy in A, A gap because we counted wrong on our punt team, things like that. So if you get beat, you get beat. But I better have, you know, you better have a hat for everybody. You better make sure everybody's accounted for. That's kind of my judgment on him. So a lot of a lot of the mistakes this year have come with guys not doing the right thing. And that's that's my view on it. I've noticed it too, and and I think that there's certainly merit for, you know, I think back to like how they covered hands team. I didn't like how they aligned hands team stuff. I didn't, uh, you know, going after that punt against Houston, 
you know, putting yourself in a vulnerable position to where, you know, is it really necessary to chase special teams points against Houston? Right. Like when mm-hmm. you're, you're facing yeah. Kyle Allen, you're, you know, you're giving them a chance or sorry, that was Cincinnati. Um, I know what you're uh, saying. Yeah. The field, the field's block. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is that, is that necessary given, you know, where the defense is at that moment? So, you know, I think there's just, there's just elements of, um, you know, missed opportunity, missed performance. And sometimes it's, it's just the, the breaks of the game, man. You're not coaching guys up to have a bunch of special teams penalties, but if a guy makes a mistake, like you said, everything rolls downhill, it is ultimately going to land on your shoulders, whether you think that's fair or not, that's just the make or miss business of the NFL. And, um, some of that too is, is, uh, it's hard, but that's just the, that's like I said, that's just the nature of it. And, I think Prefer has, has left some meat on the bone there, but I also think he's getting, I also want to sort of, again, parse out blame. Like in my experience of working with specials in any time, like kickers have their own coach, even younger levels, kickers have their own coach. And you don't run into many special teams guys who are giving kickers direct instruction on how to kick, right? Those are usually like, especially a guy like Cade, he's arriving from LSU with a level of, of kicking understanding that is already good enough, right? He's at the division one level. He's worked with specific kicking coaches and I don't know who Cade works with, but I'm, what I'm getting at is most of these special coaches don't even talk to their kickers. Like they, they'll say some things about, Hey, here's how we do certain aspects of this thing. Or, you know, if he's the kickoff guy, here's where we want to kick it. This is the type of kick we want. They'll communicate what they want, but they're not out there lecturing him on where to put the plant foot, where to do that. He might have some experience from being around, exposed to kickers throughout his career and might have a little tip, but they're not directly teaching kicking technique to Cade. So like when Cade has these yank issues where he's pulling it way left, it's not like Prefer gets him on the sideline and walks him through what he's doing wrong. Like that's just a kicker needs to figure it out, right? Take his technique. And it's like a golf swing. I've talked about it many times on this thing and, I think if you have a bunch of people, too many, too many voices inside the head of your kicker, who's trying to, it's like a swing coach in golf, right? Where you're, you're trying to uh, hone in that one technique. And if you have too many people trying to give you technique stuff, it's going to send everything awry. And I've noticed that Cade's not only been off on, on, on field goals. Like there's a time, I mean, back to the Buffalo, there was the Buffalo game and then the other dome game um, as well, Houston, he was struggling to do like a five-step kickoff run up. He was hitting these knuckleballs. They had him eventually move to this three-step, like he was kicking field goals. I don't know if you noticed it, but I was, mm-hmm. I watched through all the specials and he was like kicking field goals from the kickoff. Now he's got a strong enough leg that he's still, he's still kicking the dang thing into the end zone, but he's going through a bunch of technique issues and people want to put that on prefer. And from your experience with kickers, which I know these are, this, this could be one, one year at the high school level, you have a great kicker. Some years you're, you're sending out a kid to toe bash it and just get extra points through. So I get that. But like, I guess what I'm saying is it's misplaced. I don't think the Cade York missed kicks fall on prefer's lap. I really, I just don't think that's fair. Well, you know, one of the things I always try to do, I think you said it best. So I try to not mess my kickers up because I, exactly. one of the things I don't know, and, and I try to learn a lot of stuff, but the kicking, where your toe goes, the plant foot, the, 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 like, I, you know, I'm not super knowledgeable on that. So I used to have the soccer coach come out because that's where I used to get our guys and, and have him work with it. And here's how we're going to do it and things of that nature. But I tried, my big thing was always try to instill confidence. So we always try to, once again, going back to what I said earlier about making it special, not extra. So one of the, some of the things the Browns could do is, you know, like one of the things that was really good, we, we'd have a th- we'd be in the red zone. We'd do third and medium in the red zone. 
And to make those kickers feel like they were important, we'd go third and medium. And that was a great opportunity to, if we got the third and medium, we'd keep going. If we missed it, we'd run out our, we'd run out our uh, special teams unit. So the defense gets to go through their stuff on field goal block or field goal hold. The, uh, you know, we get to run our, you know, we get to run our uh, extra point team out there, our field goal team out there. They get to go through their operation. Uh, we'd celebrate like we normally would. We'd go from there. If we did it, then we'd come back and we'd go right to kickoff. So trying to make, I think trying to make Cade York and these special teams more uh, involved in the daily importance, again, not being extra, but being special. I think that will help in terms of how do you get, you know, one of the questions I was asked earlier this week is how do you get them to be better? Well, I would say getting them involved in terms of more, the daily practice routine. Don't make it. We're going to run offense. We're going to run defense. And at, at the end of practice, we're going to kick 15 field goals. That's not how it's done in the NFL. That's not how it's done at any level. So I always felt a great confidence builder was to say, hey, we're going to go third medium. Everything goes here. If we score a touchdown, we're running out extra point. If we if we if they stop us, I want the defense to celebrate. There's a great opportunity for the head. That was a great opportunity for me to be involved with my defense that I'm not always involved with during the day. So I could say, great stuff. Here's how you're doing it. And then you run all your special teams out. So there you, there you are right in the middle of practice kicking an extra point or a field goal when usually you're on the other field kicking. You know, a lot of teams don't do that. I think that's helpful, especially if you're struggling like the Browns are with some of their special teams. Yeah, I, I think – I guess where I'm at with this and I'm trying to relay is I, I, I want – I certainly think that Woods is, is a candidate to be removed. And, you know, I get I get why people are sort of frustrated in totality with mm-hmm. everything that goes on and the special teams are a part of the issues that go on with the Browns. But I just don't know that you need to be riled up over removing prefer because I think most of the guys working special teams in the NFL are pretty much the same. They've all been exposed to it for years and years. And and for the most part across the league, most special teams units are running the similar punt team. It's not like we're in college or high school. There's a broad variety of techniques to use. You're really not getting a bunch of that in the NFL. It's all pretty much done the same. What you have to have is, to your point, an excellent communicator and game planner. What technique things is he coaching up at practice? We don't know. You've been to Mm -hmm. camp and we see some, but we don't know all the time. So you as a head coach have to analyze your guys. He doing the right technique things. Are we hitting what we need to hit? Is he organized? Is he a communicator? You know, game day, you're not doing any special teams tweaks. Your stuff is already in, but what you are doing is, Hey, um, you know, we lost Winovich. Who's next up on the depth chart. We need to make sure to inform, Alex uh, or uh, Isaiah Thomas, hey man, you're up next is the L2 on kickoff, right? Like you got to be able to communicate that. You can't have too many guys on the field. You can't have those mental mistakes where somebody's running on or running off late. You know, that stuff is what their job is at the end of the day. Like that, the, the, the preparation things and all of that, most of the time the head coach will be involved with what the, what the special teams coach wants to do and, and sign off on it. So he knows, and they're all in agreement on it. But like, you just need a guy who is a technician, right? He puts together, if you get at the NFL level, 20 minutes a day for specials drills, what are you doing and are they effective? Are your guys understanding it? Are you coaching them up to do the things, be in the right spot and do the right thing? So I think you nailed that. And, you know, again, I, I don't want people to be like, oh, they didn't move, remove, pre- I don't think it moves the need. I guess my point is, and 
you tell me if I'm wrong, Lance, but like I don't think it moves the needle that much at the NFL level. Now you can get a great special teams coordinator or have a group of guys at your at your coaching staff at the high school level or even small college ball who do make a difference, right? Who do scout it up right, notice weaknesses of the opponent, things like that that they can take advantage of. But for the most part, I just feel like most NFL specials are pretty much the same. Well, I agree with you. And actually, I think it moves the needle the other way because now, as you said, you know, those pun- the pun is the same. Most of the kickoffs are going in. So everybody's, you know, overlapping on extra points. So every the, the, what teams are doing are all the same. What you're doing when you bring in a new, a new guy is that you are changing terminology. You know, it's the same stuff, but now you're changing terminology. So, you, so you're actually moving the needle the other way. Now you have more things to learn. You have more um, ways to uh, practice stuff. Like you're saying in terms of you have 20 minutes, how organized are you on those 20 minutes? Well, now that's all going to be new. So not that right or wrong, but it's all new. And new means new. And uh, it's like when they say you want to, you know, you want a new defense coordinator. Well, new means new. It means everything is new from fronts, coverages, blitzes. And, you know, it's, it's not what's one of those adage, be careful what you wish for. But I agree with you. The special teams comes down to if he's organized and he's doing the things he's supposed to do, then you're, you don't want to move the needle the other way. And a lot of times with special teams, guys, if they're doing the right stuff uh, and they're organized and they have people and they're they're good with their personnel on game day and they have a, uh, the management down, then you're actually moving the needle the other way. So I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a priority in my opinion. Yeah, I could see why they might want to, but I don't think it's like something people need to be all too concerned about. I just I just don't see and I, again, I would challenge most fans who listen to this pot and myself included, name three special teams coaches around the NFL. Like you can't. You just there's not. There's not many that you know because they all kind of blend together, right? And even like the margin of special like the Browns are one of the few teams that have returned a punt for a touchdown this year. Like they're doing some net positive things. I understand there's been some frustrating moments and you want to you want to blame somebody, you know, you want to blame someone when the when the kickoff, uh, you know, when the kicker misses a kick or, you know, if somebody returns a punt to or the punter doesn't, you know, that's the same with punter. We didn't even mention that, but like punter technique, you know, you don't have a bunch of special teams guys talking about that. But if a punter, say, kicks a low line drive, you didn't coach him up to kick that low line drive, but he did. But you got to blame somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's tricky. It's tricky. And I just think that, you know, OCDC and the decisions surrounding who's running those sides of the ball and making the decisions on schemes and calls that matters. But specials is just find somebody competent and, and get better at it over time. So I think we're in agreement there. We'll see what shakes out a lot of big decisions coming. Um, but yeah, Hey Lance, hit up, uh, let us know. Did you write anything this week? That's noteworthy that uh, Browns fans should check out. We'll be, you know, there will be something out uh, in a day or so here. We're going to talk about the uh, saints, uh, what the Browns need to do here to uh, kind of get the attack the saints. Yeah, they're a unique team, man. They they got some talent at some spots yes, I think the Browns can take advantage of. So check out Lance's work. He'll put that up on his timeline and make sure to follow him. Tell everybody real quick, remind them where they can find your Twitter at. Uh, it's just at Lance Reisland, and uh, parentheses coach is uh, at the end of it. So very simple. Very simple. All right, we appreciate your insight, man. Very, very valuable. Um, and we'll uh, be sure to touch base again. Thanks, man. Jake, thanks for having me, man. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Shout out to to uh, to coach to coach Lance Reisland for coming on and doing a fantastic job with us. Again, um, getting insight from people who have been, you know, he's got, you know, he's, like he said, he's got 25 years of coaching experience. I might be giving him a couple extra years. I hope he doesn't get mad at me, but he's been around the ball game for a while. He understands how it works, and you want people that are breaking this down, putting it into digestible pieces for you, especially valuable for someone who coached as well and as long as he did. 
to uh, get inside. And that's what I was craving here is insight into what happened, why is it happened, and the, and how coaches operate because I don't think we get that enough. We just you know, you have this idea of what we think coaches do, and that's not always the case. So good stuff all around. Check out the OBR where, again, we have all the content you need leading up to the game. Reminder, it's a Saturday game. We'll get with John Colosimo uh, for your next episode tomorrow, and then we'll be with Brad Ward for a Saturday game day edition, and then all of the coverage after that you're already accustomed to. Thanks for stopping by today, guys. Again, thanks to our guest, Coach Lance Reisland, and then again, thank you guys for stopping by. I appreciate you being here. We will check in with you tomorrow. Have a great day. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.